You're listening to episode 181 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we revisit the topic of how to disagree. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. Wow. So I'm doing a replay this week because of Halloween. The older my kiddo gets, the more complex her costume gets. So I decided to be fully present with her and save the episode I planned for this week for the next one. And we had an awesome time in Hawaii dancing to music because here there are DJs in the cul-de-sacs when you go trick-or-treating. And we were checking out haunted houses and elaborate decorations and in any event, it was awesome. And so I was wondering what would be a beneficial replay for this week. And I decided on episode 37 about how to disagree because we have so much going on in the world right now and so much suffering because of so many of us believing that there's only one right way, that there's only one truth, and that we need everyone to agree with us. And you know, in terms of how to disagree, humans really suck at it. And given the amazing brains we have, we could do a hell of a lot better and contribute to this world being a more kind place when we learn to disagree in a healthy way that still feels authentic. And I was going to replay episode 19, the episode on anger, but instead I'm going to link to it with a few others in the show notes, like episode 87, which is the problem of being right and episode 107 on equanimity. So give them all a listen this week if you want like a a mini course on this topic, okay? In any event, I hope you enjoy it and that you can use even just one tip from it to make interacting with other humans a little more compassionate and a little more kind. Happy Samhain and may it be a benefit. Hey, hey, silly humans. You know, the other day someone had posted a comment on a Facebook post I made and she said, please unfriend me. We obviously have different beliefs. And this really stood out to me because I thought it was so immature to not want to see differing opinions, but it's quite pervasive these days, right? So I replied, actually, we aren't friends on Facebook. But anyway, if we were, you are always welcome to do so. But I want to invite you to consider that unfriending people just because they disagree with you might not be the best practice if you want to grow and learn as a human. I think there is a lost art of disagreeing. And when we are open to new ideas and people who think differently, it allows us an opportunity to expand what we know. Suffice it to say there were crickets after that, but I'm so curious how many people out there would agree with me and how many think we should just avoid contact with those who disagree with us. And it was interesting for me to move from the San Francisco Bay Area a few years ago, which is largely liberal and progressive, to Southern Oregon. And I lived there for, I think it was about seven years. 
And in Southern Oregon, there was a liberal town and a relatively conservative town right next to each other. And I lived in the liberal town and worked in the conservative town. And it was the first time in decades that I had interactions with people on the daily who differed from me wildly in political and spiritual beliefs. And at first I was taken aback by it, but over time I chose to see it as an opportunity. And one day I had brought down a patient who needed an MRI to the MRI machine. And this particular patient had AIDS. And I was standing in the room with the MRI tech. And I said, this guy is so nice. I really hope he gets better soon. And the MRI tech, whom I'll call Richie, not his real name, said, well, serves him right though. The Bible says men aren't supposed to have sex with men. And I looked at Richie and I said, hey man, do you really think we're meant to take the Bible so literally? There are so many parts that contradict one another and sections written by people that Jesus didn't even sign off on, right? And I mean, you like me, right, Richie? We see each other a lot. We have a good time. Do you really think God is going to send me to hell just because I'm Buddhist? And he looks at me and says, well, Anna, the Bible says it in black and white. So yes, I'm afraid that even though I like you and think you are a really nice person, unless you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you're going to hell. And I said, well, what about kids in like the middle of the rainforest or something who haven't even heard of Jesus? Do you really think God would send them to hell? He's like, yeah, it's in the Bible, Anna. And I'm like, well, Richie, I guess I'm sorry to hear that. I personally think that if there even is a God, he'd be a bit more reasonable seeing how he created so many beautiful things. And we left it at that. And I said, good night, Richie. And he said, good night, Anna. And I took my lovely patient back upstairs. And I have to hope that because we took a moment to hear one another out, that somewhere and somehow our hearts opened up a bit to one another, even though we still disagreed with each other. So that's why today I wanted to talk about how to disagree with someone, because I think that as a whole, we sort of suck at it, not just around politics or religion, but lifestyles and organic food and vaccines and fossil fuels and all of the areas that we can disagree. Believe it or not, it is possible to still love someone who wildly disagrees with you. You don't have to get pissed off. You don't have to hate them. So why is it so hard though? Well, what we often see instead, right, is people having a really hard time even listening to different opinions and an even harder time doing so without trying to change each other's minds. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone who completely disagreed with you and you didn't try to change their mind? You just shared your opinion and just let them have their opinion right? It's easier to do this with smaller things like your favorite beach or what's your favorite food, favorite multi-pitch alpine route. What's your fave movie? Do you say snow machine or snowmobile? (laughs) We're, We're able to have people disagree and still say, all right, I love you anyway, even though you're totally wrong about that, right? But other things are much much harder. Like several of my clients have said lately that they're challenged by their friends who they're finding out that they believe in a ton of conspiracy theories and have pretty radically differing views from them that they didn't know before. And they don't even want to talk to them anymore. And I'm sure you've been in this situation at one point or another. I know I have before. 
And I want to encourage us all when we find ourselves triggered and just want the other person to believe different things or to go away or just be quiet. I want us to ask ourselves, why is this causing so much suffering? Why do we want them to just be silent? And it's really important that we answer those questions. You know, with the easy things, we might say we let them go because they don't impact us personally so much. But with things like religion and politics, they can impact other people's reality and lives. And we might feel it might impact us or others personally, right? So that's one aspect. But keep questioning. What are you believing that makes it hard for you to hear someone else's differing opinion? Do you want to be someone who needs to silence or get rid of other people's voices so that you don't get upset? And this touches upon several of the main concepts that you've heard me talk about in the podcast before, right? Like the motivational triad, how our brains by default want to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and do what's easy. Also, the importance of being willing to feel any emotion, even that feeling that comes up when we hear someone believing something totally different than what we might believe is the truth or the right thing. And the manual and needing others to follow our manual in order for us to feel good. I'll put links in the show notes so you can access past episodes about those things. I really want you to see how this all comes together. So let's consider an ethical issue. Those tend to really hit home and get us riled up because by definition, we make a call about what is right or wrong. So let's say somebody says something that you think is morally wrong. You might even go so far as to call it evil. Yeah. Often our immediate reaction is to judge and try to either change their minds, cut them off from our lives, or try to silence them. And I think a lot of times we're afraid that if we listen to that person and get curious about them, that it means we are condoning or agreeing with what they are saying, that we become part of the problem if we don't try to change their minds. So instead of holding space and cultivating curiosity about what they believe, we shut them out or argue with them, often very loudly. (laughs) And I get that this is out of a place of thinking it's the right thing to do. Right? Often it pains us to see someone that believes something that we might think causes suffering in the world. And we think getting angry at them about it or shutting them out helps. But really, we are adding more hate into the equation. We hate the haters, their ideas, their actions, and we feel justified in doing so. But what would happen if instead we came from a place of curiosity? What if we said, tell me everything. I want to understand all of your ideas. I want to understand all of your conspiracy theories. Explain them to me. Just listening to what they have to say. And then we could ask them more questions about what they believe. Because here's the deal. It's not their opposing political opinion that's upsetting you. Your brain is the source of your suffering. Your thoughts about it. Attachment to how things need to be in order to feel good, attachment to how the world should be. Your thoughts about what someone else is saying are what's upsetting you. What they're saying is completely neutral, a circumstance. And if you're in Freedom School or the Rebel Buddhist Facebook group and you're doing thought work, you would put their opinion in your C-line. 
And it's completely neutral, not because it doesn't create a response in you or someone else, because clearly it does. It's completely neutral because it doesn't upset you until you have a thought about it, until you decide you disagree with it. In itself, their opinion has no inherent quality of good or bad, right or wrong, right? And you can listen to the pod on practical emptiness about this to dive into that concept a little more deeply. Okay, now, can you disagree with someone, a colleague, a family member, a politician, and still love them? Can you still hold space for their opinion? Would you like to be able to do that? Because what I've seen is that by silencing them or ignoring them, we're ultimately saying, I don't care what's in your mind. I don't care about your thoughts. I only care about mine and those of the people who think like me. And in my opinion, that doesn't move us any closer to a better world. I have friends that get so upset in disagreements that they have to leave when someone starts going on about something that they really disagree with. And in those situations, I think it would be interesting to ask ourselves, why is it so hard for us to hear those things that conflict with what we believe? Why is it so hard for us to be with someone who doesn't share our same values, morals, ethics, and thoughts? Usually, usually rebels, it's because we think we're right. Actually, it's probably more accurate to say that we know we're right, right? <laughs> but coaching's taught me a lot about holding this non-judgmental space. Because when I'm coaching someone, my opinion about what should or shouldn't be done in the world is not for my clients. My opinions are for me. My job is to help them see their mind and the thoughts that they have and decide if they want those to change if they find those current thoughts and beliefs aren't serving them anymore and to help them consider different ones that are going to help them show up in the world in a way that they're proud of. My job isn't to force people to be mindful or compassionate or do loving kindness meditation or Tonglen or quit their job or leave the marriage. No. After all my years of coaching, I've heard it all. I've had high-end call girls as clients, clients from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I've been taught by them to say it the long way now, not LDS or Mormon. <laughs> I've had clients who are in a marriage with their high school sweetheart, ones who are polyamorous, others who are swingers. I've had clients who've never done drugs, those who are working on stopping over drinking, and those that have cannabis farms. Ultimately, they get to define their freedom, their life, how they want to show up. They get to discover that and change it if they want to. It's not for me to force what I think is right onto them or to be upset about it. So I get to practice holding non-judgmental space a lot more than other people just because of the nature of my profession, right? And here's the thing. When we get curious and hear someone out, when we understand why they believe what they do, all of a sudden they are human and not just an opinion, this makes it easier to feel compassion and kindness for them and yes, love them. I'll never forget this Oprah episode when she had on a panel of kids who identified as white supremacists and a little Jewish boy in the audience, maybe he was five or six, he asked one of the younger girls, I think she was maybe eight years old or so, and he said, why do you hate me though? I didn't hurt you. And the little girl paused. 
And she leaned over to her older sister and you could hear her through the mic. And she whispered, why do we hate Jews again? And then she shouted out, because you killed Jesus Christ. It was lost on her that the boy was saying he didn't do it. But in any event, it was a powerful display of racism being taught. And you can have a little more compassion for this angry little girl, right? It's a little easier to love her as a human when you can see that she was taught to have those thoughts. But when we shut people off and call people evil or ignorant, we don't have a conversation. Maybe what I should have called this episode is how to have a conversation, because especially in the era of short texts and reactive trite comments on social media, we are losing the skill of being in an uncomfortable conversation, patiently listening to someone, right? We just unfriend someone or block them. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying not to remove toxic people from your life. I'm saying, let's be a little curious about differing opinions. You know, when I was a teenager, I very clearly recall that people would ask me my opinion about something and I'd say, well, today I believe dot, 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 but that may change. I was learning so much and absorbing so much that I could see how, as I learn new things, my beliefs may change. I was so open to it. And I still try to do that, right? It does seem like it gets harder as we age because with the concept of confirmation bias, we know our brain seeks evidence for our beliefs to prove them true and blocks contradicting evidence. So we tend to reinforce the seeming truth of our beliefs by this tendency the brain has to see what evidence supports our beliefs and not see what evidence contradicts our beliefs right? Well, that makes it a bit harder. (laughs) But anyway, like sort of how I've never been yelled at for not having my mask on in my car in a parking lot, but some acquaintances I have who don't believe in masks and that think people are too militant about it, say they get yelled at for not having a mask on in their own car in a parking lot. And I'm like, how has that never happened to me? But I'm hearing it like several times and maybe it has, and I just never heard it. And I've gotten told to take my mask off because it looks stupid to wear one. And my acquaintances are like, what? That's never happened to me when I wear one. (laughs) So anyway, confirmation bias is a whole other pod episode for the future, but you can see how it relates. It's easy to see our opinions and optional thoughts as truth when our brain is made to block information that contradicts what we believe and see evidence that supports it. But despite all that, I know we have the potential to do things differently. I've definitely had conversations with friends where I start off disagreeing with them and then I get curious and they tell me why they believe what they do. And sometimes I'll change my mind and sometimes I'll stick with what I believe, but at least I have a better understanding of why they believe what they do. And you've probably had this experience too. So I've seen that we can be in a relationship and disagree with someone and still be connected to them. It's possible. I remember in college, I dated this guy and his family was European and so political. And I fucking loved it because dinner at my house was so boring growing up with just me and my mom and dad. But at their house, it was so lively. They'd have professors over and friends visiting and they'd pour wine and we'd talk about politics and religion and philosophy and argue, sometimes heatedly. 
And at the end of the night, we laugh and give hugs and think, that was a damn good dinner party. We were in relationship and connected even with differing opinions. Often, however, we end up hating people that disagree with us, especially on moral issues. We think it's okay to hate people who are bad, even though it's just our opinion that's decided they're bad. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect about this, but I really try to remind myself of it on the regular. I can sometimes think it's okay to hate people who don't care about other people. But then I remind myself that then I am the one hating, hating someone for hating. I remember Ram Das, who had a picture of Trump on his altar, and he said he would pray for him and love him and say, I see you for your soul, not your karma. Then he'd laugh and say, boy, and does he have some karma? And, you know, I want to show up like that. I want to feel that love. I want others to feel that love from me. We sometimes think we have to hate to create change in the world. For some people, that is the energy that drives them, and they'll need to decide if that's really the most helpful way to roll. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, we also see people who think all they have to do is meditate on love and light to change the world. But as usual, there's a middle way. I'm saying we can have differing opinions from someone and love them and take actions to change the world from a place of love not hate. I want you to really hear this. To love is not to condone. To hold space is not to approve. To listen is not to promote. From what I've studied in history and in spiritual practices, hating doesn't lead to effective change. Understanding can, because first you have to meet someone where they are if you're going to have any sort of influence whatsoever on them. When I worked with youth at risk with Outward Bound, I could get so much more traction when they felt I understood them and where they were coming from, that I understood what it was like to grow up in an abusive family or have struggled with drugs and alcohol or growing up in the hood. And if I ever tried to change their beliefs because of my own agenda, you bet your ass they sniffed that from a mile away and would shut down. You would too. We all would. We, we do. Another thing I think is interesting is that, especially in intimate relationships, we get pissed when they disagree with us because we want to feel connected to them. And when they disagree, we have thoughts that, oh, now we've created more distance. We think differently about this. So we get mad and pick a fight. But then we've created more distance from what started out from the neutral circumstance of an opinion. But when we get curious about other people's thoughts, we actually create more connection. You see? And it's this diversity of thought that makes the world way more interesting too. Some questions we can ask ourselves and someone else who has a differing opinion are, what were you taught that maybe brought you to that belief? What life experience did you have that influenced your belief? Because belief seems like this external thing, this external truth. Yet all a belief is, is a thought we've had over and over. And once we believe something long enough, it seems like a truth. That's the only reason it feels true. It's not something outside of us. When we think there is a truth outside of ourselves, then we start feeling justified in judging others or feeling self-righteous because we think we know the real truth. We don't allow the possibility for someone else to have a different truth. 
Sometimes we may feel that other people's beliefs are scary, especially right now, seeing violence and impinging on other people's rights and safety and freedom. But remember what you're thinking about their belief is what's scaring you. Now, it doesn't mean you don't say anything. There have been plenty of times that I've spoken up when someone made a racist or sexist or homophobic comment. My story about Richie that I told earlier is just one example, right? You can ask people to not use disrespectful words or ask them to keep that opinion to themselves or not say it when you're around. You can absolutely make those requests. You know, my husband has a family member that constantly sends group emails with racist and sexist jokes. And after they didn't listen to my request to keep it respectful, I just don't even open anything from them anymore. Of course you speak up rebels. Of course you take action to create a more just world but you don't have to suffer because of it. You can speak up, take action to make this world a more just and free place and not suffer because of it. We don't need to react and get angry. Some people think there needs to be anger to fuel things and anger can be helpful. It tells us that our needs aren't getting met and it feels a hell of a lot better than depressed or helpless. So sometimes we need to move through that, but it's not necessary for action. And I want to be clear, I don't think it's right to judge people who are angry either. Like when people tone police black people and say, why are you so angry? Can't you say that in a different way? It would be a lot easier for me to listen if you could just say that nicely. That's not what this is about. People have a right to be angry. This is also not about how to react when someone acts violently or impinges on someone else's freedom. That's a different topic. What I'm talking about is when we are in disagreement with someone about their opinion, their thoughts, and how we can eventually open up to a way of disagreeing that creates space for understanding and love instead of blaming someone for our emotional reaction to them, right? Just because they're sharing their thought about something when really it's our own thoughts that cause our feelings. So here are some tips for the art of disagreeing. And these are just suggestions for you. You can try them on and decide for yourself if they work, okay? The first is to start with you. Understand your own beliefs and values. Understand where they came from. How many were from your parents? How many of them were taught or learned? What experiences contributed to them? And it's important to see that your beliefs were a choice and not from some external truth. So many people think they believe what they believe because they're right. But you believe what you believe because of your history, the time you grew up in, your socioeconomic class, your race, and the political environment of the country you were born in, your life experiences, education, and decisions about what you want to believe. I had a great sociology professor at UC Santa Cruz who taught major sociological theories by starting out with a biography of the person who wrote about the theory, like the background of Engels, Marx, Weber, Smith, Durkheim. And I was always so impressed with how he did this because it helped you clearly see these weren't geniuses that pulled some amazing theory, some truth out of the ether. Their theories were direct results of their upbringing, society, education, and significant life experiences. Same for our beliefs, rebels. So the next step is to then apply this to the other person, to try to understand and listen to the other person so you can gain insight into why they might believe what they believe. 
My friend Butch Greer is a great example of this. He was one of my mentors when I worked at Outward Bound, still is. And one night, a group of us were having a reunion of sorts, and he starts to tell us that we need to check out flat earthers and how they have some really good points. And we're all like, dude, we really respect you, but this is just ridiculous. And he proceeds to give us some of their opinions and theories and whatnot. And I was like, holy shit, Butch, do you really believe the earth could be flat? And he's like, I'm just saying they make some good points. You should check it out. And, you know, he'd been recovering from a major car accident and was on some serious meds. So we thought maybe that was it. But of course, it piqued my interest and I explored it. And it was interesting. I still disagreed, but I moved from that's fucking ridiculous to I can see why you went there. Less judgment, more curiosity. And may I point out a way more fun and engaging experience than just writing someone off. So once again, Butchie, thank you for being my teacher, this time reminding me of the gift of curiosity. Okay, so next, because none of us are enlightened and we are all silly humans, we will notice that we will often have a reaction to what someone says, and it can feel pretty strong. We will also want to change this person and make them see how they are wrong and how we are right. It will seem so obvious to us. So just notice it when it happens and get more curious. Make curiosity the antidote to your angst. Ask more questions and also see that your thoughts are causing the reaction and not what they're saying. You can ask yourself, why am I choosing a thought about this that's making me feel this way right now? During all this, remind yourself of what I said earlier. Listening doesn't mean condoning, accepting, promoting, or agreeing. It's okay to say that you disagree but are curious too. I sometimes say, oh my gosh, this is blowing my mind right now because I believe like the exact opposite. I'm so curious now. Can you please tell me more? And also remember that what someone believes, what they're saying, the thoughts in their mind is different from who they are as a human. Maybe remember Ram Dass's message and see if you can see them for their soul and not their karma. Ram Dass also tells a story about trees. And he says, when we walk through a forest and we see that a tree is bent this way, or maybe its branches are pointing one way, we say, ah, I see what happened. Here the wind blew you in this direction, or oh, you're reaching for the sunlight here, or oh, there was a rock in the way here. And then he says, but with humans, why don't we do that? We don't. We we judge them for being the way they are. And he says, what if... What if we just saw people more as trees, right? What if we learned more about why they do what they do? I feel like this is why I love psychology and chose psychology as a major and in postgraduate studies as well, because I'm so fascinated about why people do what they do. So you can disagree with how someone voted, whether they drive to work or ride a bike, whether they believe in a God or goddess or heaven and hell or karma, reincarnation or none of the above, you can disagree with them and still love them. You can love them for their soul, not their karma. Finally, you can choose how you want to show up. Do this mindfully and not reactively. Maybe you can say, I disagree. Would you like to hear my thoughts about it and tell me what you think? 
often we don't want to say we disagree because we project and think the other person will be all judgy and reactive like, like we wanted to be, right? But, and this is sort of next level, what if we could practice listening to other people's judgments about us? What if we could practice letting people be wrong about us and just listening to it? Jack Cornfield told us once in a class that they, that he did this as a practice in a men's group he was in. They'd say all these criticisms of one another so that the other person could practice hearing them. And you may be surprised by this, but what usually results is that you feel more empowered. You're no longer afraid of what if they say this or that, right? You say, tell me. You don't try to prevent them from being wrong about you, from judging you. You don't try to change them or their thoughts. And so they feel safe with you. And someone is way more likely to listen to you if you hold that kind of space for them. And if their opinion is based on being taught certain things and you create this safe space and they can also listen to your thoughts, maybe then there's room for them to soften as well and to be open to a different way of thinking. Often I end up saying that, hey, I respectfully agree to disagree. And I also often thank people for at least being willing to have a respectful conversation about it. If it's someone I'm close to, I might even say, I love you, even though I disagree with you. Paulo Coelho wrote, a master asked his disciples, why do we shout in anger? Why do people shout at each other when they are upset? The disciples thought for a while, and one of them said, because we lose our calm, we shout for that. But why just shout when the other person is just next to you? Isn't it possible to speak to him or her with a soft voice? Why do you shout at a person when you're angry? And the disciples gave him some other answers, but none satisfied the master. And finally, he explained, when two people are angry at each other, their hearts distance a lot. To cover that distance, they must shout to be able to hear each other. The angrier they are, the stronger they will have to shout to hear each other through that great distance. Then the master asked, what happens when two people fall in love? They don't shout at each other, but talk softly. Why? Because their hearts are very close. The distance between them is very small. And he concluded, when they love each other even more, what happens? They do not speak only whisper, and they get even closer to each other in their love. Finally, they even need not whisper. They only look at each other, and that's all. That is how close two people are when they love each other. I'm recording this on Martin Luther King Day, and one of my favorite quotes of his is, don't let someone bring you so down that you hate them. So. The next time someone has a different opinion than you, Rebel, let curiosity be the antidote to your angst. Lean in, listen, and let's try to truly see one another. Hey everyone, the early bird registration for the Adventure Mastermind has closed and we will reopen registration with new bonuses in a couple of weeks. So keep an eye out and head over to adventuremastermind.com. You can apply, you can save the dates and we'll start doing interviews when we reopen registration. Okay. So I hope to see you in there. That's adventuremastermind.com. If you like what you heard, spread the love and share it. 
And if you want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, check out rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist training kit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com.